Welcome to this week's episode of FTR's weekly rail market update podcast hosted by Todd Tranowski. Join Todd each week as he dissects everything from market trends to economic indicators to explore how these factors are shaping the rail market landscape. Download the graphics package at ftrintel.com slash podcasts and feel free to use those slides as you defend your transportation thought leadership within your own company. So, buckle up as we embark on a journey through the dynamic and ever-changing world of rail. And now, here's your host, Todd Chernowski. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the FTR State of Freight Rail Market Update Podcast. As always, I am your host, the Vice President of Rail and Intermodal here at FTR, Todd Tranowski. Thank you for joining us this week. Before we really dive in this week, I want a little programming note for everybody. Uh, Next week, the week of November the 20th, the week that includes the Thanksgiving holiday, there will not be a Rail Market Update Podcast episode next week. Uh, We thought about it. We thought about maybe doing a regulatory special edition or something of that nature, but then decided that we would give everybody the week off. We'd let everybody uh, have some time away, focus on some football, focus on good food, focus on uh, getting some time away uh, and not be tempted uh, to worry about and think about and listen to a podcast about the state of the rail market. Give everybody uh, some time to just focus in uh, on the important things next week of family, uh, football, and food. Uh, so hopefully you will take the opportunity to do that next week, uh, and we will join you again right back here in two weeks, uh, the week of November the 29th, uh, to put a nice bow on the month of November for you from a rail perspective. Also, I want to thank everybody who we saw this week, a uh, number of events we were out at, including the the FTR Shippers Symposium in Houston, Texas, as well as the uh, Joint FTR Railroad Financial Corporation uh, Leasing Forum, Leasing and Equipment Forum. Uh, They were great events, saw many of you, shook your hands. It was great to see so many of you in the room for those events. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to be present, to be there, to hear about uh, the, the markets, to hear about particular equipment markets uh, beyond just the top level, uh, top six car types. We really were able to to drill down and have good conversations about leasing, about finance, about the state of the markets for tank cars and covered hoppers and other equipment types. So uh, everybody who was there found it uh, very interesting, uh, got a lot of good uh, lot of good information out of it to take back to the organizations. If you were there, don't forget to give us your feedback uh, so that we can make those events better and have more of those going forward, whether in Houston or elsewhere. Uh, we certainly want your feedback so that we can continue to deliver that kind of hard-hitting, uh, deep-dive information uh, that is so important to those of you in the rail and rail equipment spaces. So with that, we'll dive in this week and we'll talk about the numbers. And the numbers, they honestly were a little bit interesting. We saw intermodal uh, remount, you know, it remains weak, but we got a slight sequential bounce. We didn't follow 2022 the way we have over the last month or six weeks. We just sort of 
Uh, we, we went we went counter to that. We went back. We went back up a little bit. Now, not back to the five-year average level or anything, but back to where we had been running before the decline, before we, we showed the early holiday decline that we had last year, before we started to follow that pattern again last week. We bounced back in the latest week. So we'll keep an eye on that as we go forward to see if we're just getting some volatility week to week, if what exactly is driving uh, that as we go forward. And on the carload side, carload volumes bounced back, but I will caution you to temper your enthusiasm uh, because the carload volumes, the increases, were really centered in two primary commodity groups, and that's coal and automotive, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as we work our way through the numbers over the next 15, 20 minutes or so. So let's jump in now and talk about the intermodal markets. And there you can see, we got a little bit of a, a sequential bump. We got a little bit of an upward movement. If we were following last year uh, directly, we would have gone down a little bit more in the latest week for which uh, data is available. Uh, the week ended November the 11th, the week of Veterans Day. And, and, but we see a little bit of a bounce up. Now, it's not a super fantastic bounce up. We're not back to where we were before we took that decline. We're not back to the five-year average, but we are up on a year-over-year -year basis. And, and the, what we will learn over the next week to 10 days is whether uh, that is uh, whether that's a sustained bump or whether that's simply a blip and we come back down in the weeks ahead. It certainly is possible. If you look at last year's trajectory, the week right before the Thanksgiving holiday had a similar sequential uptick, both in magnitude and in timing. So it's possible that we're just shifting our weeks a little bit and that next week we will get back down to where we were in 2022 and then feel the holiday impact in the week after that. Uh, so we'll just have to watch that closely to see what's going on for overall intermodal. Are we are we bouncing upward or are we uh, simply just switching weeks relative to 2022? And we will uh, we will reassume the pattern. We will reassume the trajectory of 2022 as we get through the next several weeks. Uh, trailer volumes not much to see here at all. Uh, ever the slightest of a sequential decline, uh, really fairly flat. Flat the way it has been for much of the last eight weeks, sort of right at 12,000 uh, per week in the trailer market, and that is not a great number. That's well off last year. That's well off the five-year average. We still expect to see a little bit of a parcel peak over the final six weeks of the year, uh, but we'll see just how dramatic it is. Uh, one of the big players in yellow in the LTL space is not there. And so any any contribution they were having to the peak, uh, we won't see this year. But we would still expect the FedExes, the UPSs of the world uh, to have that seasonal impact. And we'll just have to see what the order of magnitude is this year as we come out of the Thanksgiving holiday. If we start December, uh, what does that mean? What does that look like and how impactful is it in the trailer market? Certainly if we don't see it, uh, that is a very negative sign for the trailer market. That suggests that other historical users of trailers are not as focused on the trailer market as maybe they have been in the past. And it wouldn't be that surprising to get that kind of an outcome. You think about the overall truck market, particularly the dry van truck market. And my colleague Avery Weiss at the Trucking Market Update 
podcast. He talks about it a lot in terms of capacity, in terms of balance in the market. Uh, there could be capacity to absorb some of that parcel freight in the truckload space. We'll have to see how that evolves over the next month. On the container side of Intermodal, uh, we have essentially the same trajectory uh, that we saw for overall Intermodal. And again, you would expect that to be the case. Containers are 90% of the overall Intermodal market. And so uh, you would expect to see that occur. You would expect to see that trajectory uh, be similar. And just like I said for overall Intermodal, we'll see if we're just switching weeks here uh, or if we are uh, we are actually going back toward the five-year average in a meaningful way and going to hold those levels or if we're going to go back to that 2022 trajectory in the week ahead. Uh, time will tell for sure. Uh, if you want to know now uh, what the volumes are going to do next week, uh, consult your Magic 8-Ball. Uh, it, uh, it might have some insight into what to expect in that market. Uh, on, on the car load space, volumes bounced back in the latest week. Volumes definitely uh, took a step up when you look at them on a sequential basis. But it was not uh, significant from the standpoint of we came back to where we had been running uh, right at the start of the fourth quarter. So we didn't, we didn't break out of the range we've been in for the last several weeks. We simply got back to uh, the top end of that range, right around 350,000 carloads a week, which is a nice bump compared to last year. It's a little bit above the five-year, not by a whole lot, but a little bit. And we'll have to see, again, how, excuse me, how sustainable is that as we get into the Thanksgiving holiday week, as we get into a time of normally where we see uh, declines in volumes. Economically sensitive freight, essentially the same picture, a little bit less intense though, a little bit less dramatic in terms of a sequential bounce and a sequential recovery. Yes, we're above last year. Yes, we're above the five-year average. No, we are not all the way back to where we were in between the third and fourth quarters earlier this year. We're hanging out right around 200,000 carloads a week when it comes to economically sensitive freight. And we'll keep an eye on that in terms of how it evolves, how it moves through in the weeks ahead. So let's talk now about some of those bulk sectors, some of those bulk commodity groups uh, that are in there that we have to we have to deal with, we have to talk about, we have to think through in terms of the overall effect they have when it comes to carload volume. And coal volume had a very strong sequential uptick up above last year, essentially right back to its five-year average level, which those of you that listen every week know we haven't, we haven't sniffed the five-year average in the coal markets for the better part of two quarters. Uh, but that's where we are in the latest week. We had a, a strong sequential movement higher. And that's one of the reasons why you saw carload volumes respond. That's one of the reasons why you saw carload traffic increase uh, so dramatically and increase more dramatically than what we saw in intermodal, what we saw in economically sensitive freight. That's uh, because of that coal volume bump. Now, again, we'll have to see whether it is sustainable or not. Uh, that is certainly an open question going into the Thanksgiving holiday, the Christmas holidays. Uh, but certainly, um, this is an unexpected result in the latest week for the coal markets. The other major bulk sector, the grain sector, as we look at that, what do we see? 
we see a little bit of a sequential uptick, but not, again, not a huge issue there. We've essentially got back to last year, got back to the five-year average. There's been a little bit of volatility over the last three or four weeks, uh, but you net it out, it's a pretty quiet market, right around 37, 38,000 carloads a week, essentially right on the five-year average. So we're seeing essentially a normal harvest trajectory, a normal harvest uh, progression here as we've gone through the last, call it month to six weeks. We've seen exactly what we would expect for this time of year. The question will be, as we go forward, what does that look like? As we think about it uh, in next year, we think about it in 2024, what do those numbers look like? You should have a decent amount of carry-in. Uh, the USDA just increased their, their, their corn expectations for the harvest this year in their WASDE report. That certainly uh, gives us some hope that we will be able to sustain volume through the first and second quarters of next year. Uh, but time will tell. We'll have to see exactly how that comes together. But certainly uh, there is hope that we will have a better result in 2024 in the grain markets than we did in 2023. So let's talk about the last of those non-economically sensitive freight categories. Let's talk about petroleum products. Here we also had a strong sequential bounce, up to 22,000 carloads a week. And again, those of you that listen every single week to this podcast know that we haven't been to 22,000 carloads a week in some time. Uh, we're up above last year by more than 10%, but we're riding the five-year average. Now, the five-year average includes some periods where crude by rail was, uh, was going you know, guns blazing in terms of its volume progression, in terms of folks wanting to move volumes that way. So we are riding the five-year average. We're riding historical normal here in the petroleum products markets. Normally, you see an uptick this time of year, and that is exactly what we are seeing here in the latest week. We're seeing uh, that upward trajectory, and we'll see how well that holds up as we go through the holiday period. But certainly, uh, there, is some, uh, there is some momentum behind it when you think about well, what crude prices have done over the last couple of months. The question will be, as we see, as we see crude volumes come down, they were at, I believe, $73 uh, per barrel this morning. That's well off of 90 where it was just a couple of weeks ago. Does that sort of throw some cold water on the arbitrage and throw some cold water on the overall outlook for petroleum products loadings? Certainly, uh, there's that potential there that that will happen. As we look at some of the economically sensitive commodities as we turn our gaze away from the bulk sectors, away from the commodity-focused sectors. We look at the chemicals market, and we see a nice sequential uptick here. But again, it's on a sequential basis. You look at where we got back to, we basically got back to where we were running the last couple of weeks before uh, the decline, just a little bit above 45,000 carloads a week. Now, that's a good number for the chemical sector. It's well above last year. It's above its five-year average. And so this is a good result when it comes to uh, the chemicals market. We'd like to see this continue, and we'd like to see the sector finish strong over the last six, eight weeks of 2023 uh, and carry that momentum into 2024. That would be a good sign for the sector and a good sign for the, the manufacturing and the industrial economy overall, where there's 
have been some doubt raised about the veracity of, of those sectors and how long they can continue to produce. Uh, the chemical sector suggests that we do have we do have some life. We do have some some momentum here. So we will see how that all plays out in 2024, but certainly uh, some good news as you look at those results, look at those numbers. Crushed stone, sand, and gravel. Volumes continued their decline on a sequential basis. They're below last year, but they're essentially, again, riding that five-year average. We've hit the five-year average number, and we're, we're stable right at that level. That's not a bad thing when you consider we're going into a seasonally slow time of the year when it comes to construction activity, when it comes to building a highway, when it comes to building uh, multifamily housing, when it comes to, to building some of those projects, particularly across the northern tier of the United States. We don't see as much activity when, it, when it's cold outside. Uh, you see some more activity of that in places like Texas, Florida, Arizona, uh, but even there you see a bit of a curtailing as, as the temperature comes down and gets harder and harder to, to do construction really across a wide swath of the United States. So not, not overly concerned here about the stone, stone, sand, and gravel markets as they uh, ride in line with their five-year average. Lumber and wood took another, uh, another small sequential step down in the latest week. Really, there's been some week-to-week variations, some weeks-to-week volatility over the last month, but overall, it's really been pretty flat, just above 5,500 carloads a week, and that is a weak result. That is below last year, that is below the five-year average. Uh, we'll have to see how long it takes the housing sector to rebound and see what kind of amounts that generates uh, in the lumber and wood space. If you were, if you were with us for the shipper symposium, if you were, you were with us at the, the leasing and equipment forum, you'll remember uh, that I was talking about this sector having some structural change over the longer term. So that even if we get housing, as you think about it over the next three, four, or five years, uh, you may not necessarily see the same level of volume response you might have historically expected because of sourcing shifts of where the lumber is coming from at its distance in relation to those end markets and what that means for modal competition, what that means for a truck being able to come in and, and, and poach some of that volume particularly with service levels on the rail side, only at their historical average levels. Pulp and paper, it bounced back. Second week in a row, it's posted a strong bounce back. Uh, but even with that, that, that momentum of two weeks in a row of increase, uh, we're essentially not even back to 2022 levels. Uh, 2022, it was a trough week in the latest week for pulp and paper volumes. And even so, we couldn't even managed to get all the way back to that level in the latest week. So yes, we're seeing a little bit of a seasonal increase in pulp and paper. We're still at incredibly weak levels for this sector, uh, right around 7,000 carloads a week. Uh, we're not seeing a build back to last year's levels. We're not anywhere near the five-year average. We have not been in the five-year average's zip code uh, really for the better part of the last three quarters and we don't see that changing anytime soon in this sector. Automotive volumes, finishing on a positive note, had a very nice sequential uptick. And this should come as no surprise because of the settlement in the United Auto Workers strike. With everybody back to work, everybody producing, working off that backlog, maybe getting a little bit of overtime, 
uh, to pull out to get through the, some of those those uncompleted units that didn't get out before the strike. Uh, we saw those move through the system. We saw a nice bounce on a sequential basis, well above 25,000 carloads a week in the latest week. Uh, definitely something to keep our eye on over the as we get into the holiday period and see how that maintains. Uh, but certainly, you still have strong customer interest in, in automobiles. You still have uh, dealer inventories that need to be replenished. Uh, we could see this number sustain at these higher levels, but I'm not willing to go out on that limb quite yet. I'm willing to, to, to stand on the statement I made last week, which is that 25,000 carloads a week or above is where this will be uh, over the longer term, the balance of 2023 and the first half of 2024. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this week. Intermodal lines, they bounced back a little bit in the latest week. I'm not willing to get too excited about it quite yet until we see uh, what happens next week in the volumes. And on the carload side, uh, it, they increased. They increased fairly well, but it was really centralized in coal and automotive and a little bit in pulp and paper. It really wasn't broad-based across every carload sector the way you'd You'd like to see to have a little more confidence, a little more uh, faith in it. And that's something we're going to have to watch as we go forward. Because shippers, even at the Shipper Symposium this week down in Houston, we're talking about the need for service consistency, the need for reliability. And we'll have to see if that can be achieved. If you look at the service metrics right now, I'll take one. Train speed, it's right around its historical average. And we'll have to see uh, if that's good enough. I don't personally do not believe it's good enough uh, to get there. I don't believe it's good enough to bring volume back from the truck to the rail. I don't think we're going to see that, particularly with the truck market that we're in. I also think there are threats to service, and there are threats to service beyond headcount. We've talked a lot about headcount as being a driver of service performance. There are other issues. Uh, the Surface Transportation Board, for its part, is increasingly focused on passenger rail issues, focused on adjudicating disputes between Amtrak and the Class 1 freight carriers about access, about on-time performance. You're seeing that be more and more of an issue. In fact, so much so that the Surface Transportation Board just this week announced a passenger rail advisory committee. Many of you are familiar with RSTAC, you're familiar uh, with RETAC, you're familiar with some of these other advisory groups that are out there. And now there will be a passenger rail advisory group for the Surface Transportation Board. That's interesting. That's an interesting step, particularly when you look at the makeup of the membership. It is railroads. It is commuter authorities. The board has only one spot for a shipper or a, a shipper advocacy group or a rail shipper association. They only have one member out of the whole committee that's going to be representing freight rail shippers. That is concerning. That says that the advisory committee is really going to be focused on the needs of the railroads and the needs of, of the commuter authorities and the passenger operators and Amtrak. That the, the rail shippers who are going to be impacted by these decisions are going to have only a minimal voice and really are going to be dependent upon the Class 1 and Class 2 railroads to advocate for your capacity, to advocate uh, for your capacity to not be consumed by passenger operations. I don't know how 
how rail shippers broadly feel about it. It's, it's brand new news this week. I didn't get a chance to talk to folks much uh, because of when it broke up at the, the events this past week about it. But I know if I was a rail shipper, I would be highly concerned about this advisory committee and about the makeup, particularly, of this advisory committee. And I'd be, be leaning forward uh, to make my views known about what passenger and freight capacity means for my ability as a rail shipper to use rail and to be competitive uh, with service when service is only at historical average levels. And with that, I will uh, wrap up for this week. I want to thank you all for taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen. I want to thank you all for being a part of this podcast each and every week. It's hard to believe we have done more than 220 episodes of this podcast. Uh, That's basically four years worth of podcasts. So thank you all for listening. Thank you all for being a part of the program, each and every one of you. As always, feel free to reach out to myself or any member of the FTR team if you uh, have needs, if you have uh, questions about what you hear in the podcast, what you see in the reports, what you're seeing in your business. We love to talk about transportation. It's one of the reasons we all get up in the morning. We enjoy it. We enjoy it a great deal. We have a passion for it. Uh, that you don't often see. So feel free to tap into that passion, reach out. We also love to hear what's going on in your business. We love to hear what you're seeing, what you're feeling as a rail shipper. And that's where the events this past week were so great to be able to hear what shippers on the ground are feeling and see how it dovetails with what our channel checks are telling us and what we're seeing in the data and the numbers as well. Uh, Remember, one last reminder, there will not be a Rail Market Update podcast next week, the week of Thanksgiving. Go and, and, and to turn off the screens, turn off the computer, turn off the phone, uh, have some good time uh, with family, with food, with football, and we'll be right back uh, in two weeks to talk to you again about how the rail volumes look as we get to the end of November. Uh, thank you for listening. Have a great week. Have a great Thanksgiving, and we will talk to you in two weeks. Uh, right at the very end of November. Thank you for listening. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you for joining us for this week's Rail Market Update podcast with Todd Tranowski. Be sure to check out FTR's additional complimentary market coverage at ftrintel.com slash state dash of dash freight dash today.